Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I am doing very well, JP, my friend, and how are you? I am holding up, man. You know, just keeping uh, the old Florida afloat as keeping we are Florida in Florida. Yeah, you know, we doing things, uh, something like that. I'm trying desperately, but it's it's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah, uh, how about over there in the UK? Everything all right? Um, yes, for the yes, for the most part, <laughs> we're still plugging away with it with uh, uh, similar issues to what you guys are facing, but just on a more dopey looking level. So, but uh, other than that, yeah, can't really can't really complain. England stiff upper lip and all that. In terms of in terms of my little part of the world, yeah, it's fine, my friend. It's you know, staying healthy, staying safe. Uh, got to. Um, Got to have a good weekend this weekend, which is quite nice. Caught up in some older films and some new films as well. Say newer films, but I'll get to those later on. So it was okay, my friend. I mean, how was your weekend? Have you managed to enter the new week in a positive place? I've watched a couple movies um, that were new, actually, but uh, new on streaming services. And then, um, you know, I we drove a little bit of a ways uh, to... Uh, we have like a f- 45 minutes away. There's a mall that's better than our, the mall that's very close to us, yep. um, which we haven't really been to since the pandemic. I think maybe I've been one other time, but there's a store that opened up right before the pandemic. That is like a secondhand, like they sell, a, it's not technically a thrift store, but it's kind of like a thrift store. Um, they buy like wholesale stuff, but they also sell like used product and whatever. And they have a pretty solid DVD collection. And I bought a lot of movies there in the past. It's like a dollar a disc. Right. And um, I hadn't been in that store since the pandemic. So I was excited to see that they had cleaned up quite a bit. And uh, the last time I was there, like they had stuff in front of the movies and it was like impossible to shop them. And this time they were organized. And apparently, I'm guessing after some Black Friday sales that didn't go well, they had got like brand new DVDs. Usually these are used discs, right? For a dollar a disc. These were brand new in packaging still. And like so many copies of the same movies. They had like 100 copies of Gemini Man. Um, which I, I did not buy cause it's not good. There's um, probably still a hundred copies left, but they had several copies of it. Chapter two on DVD, mm-hmm. uh, still in the, the plastic wrap, uh, the invisible <laughs> man, the Lee one L film still okay. in the wrap. So I bought a couple of those. Um, and then I found, uh, two DVDs that I had not seen on disc in a long time. Um, hustle and flow, which is a yes. film that I, uh, we did on movie club not long ago, which I think is fantastic. We won the Oscar um, the best song back in yeah. the day. Yeah, uh, with uh, Terrence Howard, Taraji P. Henson. It's, it's just such a good movie. Um, and so I bought that uh, DVD, and then I found uh, Jane Campion's In the Cut on DVD, oh, yeah. which I was really happy because I really, really like that movie. It's on Netflix right now, but I was like, well, I'd like to have that in my collection. That way I, I always have access to it because I think it's a really, really good and weird, uh, underrated film in a lot of ways too. But um, So I snagged those, so I got a few movies. and um, But at the same time, I hated being in the mall. It was just way too crowded, too many people. Um, people are getting tax returns here, which I know is not really a thing uh, in other countries because um, you don't like, they just take the right amount of money out of your taxes. No, where well, here, you'd think that you'd think that JP, we, ah, we get that as well. We have tax codes oh, and invariably they're wrong. And then usually at the end of the tax year, which over here is April, they will issue a check. If you've overpaid, they will issue whatever the difference is. They'll give it back to you. However, if you've underpaid, they'll also come calling for that money. Yeah, as well. So that's been my are, thing. There are discrepancies. I've never actually underpaid, ah. so I'm hope. But I know, I know. In April, I'm certainly hope I'm due something. It's it's almost like a lottery a roulette. 
like oh have i have i overpaid because sometimes you don't really notice it some but, some months you do but when you get it back sweet. you don't have to file anything is that is that what i'm misunderstanding no because no good that, that's the one half decent thing as much as a tax man nobody likes a tax man he does do all of our admin for us over here in terms Got of it. the income tax so in march april i don't know when it is you know we, you, you'll get an envelope through the door a brown envelope with the tax man's stamp on it or symbol whatever and you know that it's your tax rebate and you kind of open you think and you come come on come on give me give me four figures and it never usually is depending on how much you get paid but um yeah so unfortunately we do have to uh face the fury of the tax man but, uh, but under you at least us. don't have to pay another company to file your taxes like no I no um, we haven't got that I, I had to pay for software to file for to pay the government like i had a like Jeez. i'd like to pay this amount of money for the software that will then tell me i owe this amount of money to the government thank Which you and please where should i bend over um and, yeah. and where should you put something but that and, and the money i've just spent on the software most of them most of this tax rebate that probably go towards paying for your services oh i wish i had a rebate this year sir but um circumstances are always uh counter what i feel like i feel like i need more money and they're like no no you made too much i'm like oh well, then I'm glad I worked an extra job. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, if I get a tax rebate, I would very much like to come and record the BAMP live in the sunny uh, shores of Florida one day. My, my last question, because uh, I think everyone listening to this knows that gas prices are currently astronomical um, all over the world, is my understanding, too, not just here in the U.S., despite some uh, some theorists. But um, <laughs> it got me thinking, because I, I live in a very kind of spaced out area. Like, you, it, the, you can't really walk to most places in a reasonable amount of time. Um, so you're going to have to drive and we don't have a great public transport uh, system. We do have now kind of Uber and Lyft, but like it's, it, that's so expensive that it's not really feasible uh, for like day to day travel. Uh, especially I'm assuming those prices are going to go up because of gas mm-hmm. prices, but I, I've never really wondered. I know you have a car, but I didn't so- know if you lived in a scenario where you can do like the, the, the tube or if you're, you know, driving around everywhere. Dude, like, it's, it's England. We could probably walk from one end to the country to the other in about three hours, but we're only little Island, but no, no, it's uh do you know what? If, if I went from one end to the, one end of the country to the other, it probably would take, uh, I reckon about 12 hours, 12, 15 hours, which sounds is very long for us. But for you guys, it's probably a trip to the mall. Um, you, I can do where I live is a suburban area where I work is to drive. I don't know six it's about seven minutes to walk uh half an hour maybe i know that sounds like a well that's just a very big difference but no you can or or you know i can get public transport in terms of a bus uh, the trains yeah i i live too close to where i work to get a train but yeah if i need to get anywhere i could realistically get on a bus or walk into the, the nearest town or the big town uh get, and get in if i wanted to go to one of the cities or the bigger towns i could i just the, the train links are uh fantastic so i can get around obviously i i'd much rather drive my car and to want to kind of yeah jump on your point yes the the fuel prices over here have shot up um drastically and they're only going higher and we all know what damn well they are not going to go down as quick as they've gone up this is the this is the way that it's always been they're very quick to put those damn things up but when but when things start to balance out which we certainly hope fingers crossed is soon then those prices will we actually you know we've 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 got to take our it take our time to put it down because this that and the other now the excuses come out so uh, yeah. there's me getting bitter there at the pr- but it is but man it's a you know we, we we it's something we need and i understand part of me understands okay yeah uh, you know this is an this is a reaction to what's happening to disgusting scenes and events that are happening in here in the world especially here in europe yeah. but 
we, we also, there's, there's profiteering to be made out of it in my mind. Can't help but go there. But yes, it's not great over here either, but I'm lucky enough to be in a position to kind of get wherever I needed to. If I, if I wanted to hop on a plane, then I, then I could, I could get, I could get a train to Heathrow to London and be there within an hour. I could be on that plane. So I could get around very easily. It's just, I quite enjoy my car. It's just not as nice. If I want, if I want to drive to see my, my daughter, then, you know, I'd rather drive. I don't have to get the bus and then get the train and have to walk or get a cab. I just get in the car and drive. So it, it obviously it's easier to drive. If I want to go and watch a film. I'd, I'd much rather just get in the car. Part, part of the fun of going to the theater, cinema to me, the theater for me is sometimes is to drive there. Cause I usually go by myself cause it's quicker and easier. Get in the car. I put my music on or whatever, or podcast, whatever I have a sing along or a laugh and I'm driving there. It takes me 20 minutes. And then on the way back, I'm either miserable because the film was bad. So I put on some good songs or I'm euphoric. Like I was when I saw afterlife and I th- uh, smashed on Ray Parker jr. And sang my heart out the way home. I quite like, the drive. I don't want to have to get you know public transport. And no, you know if people do, that's no disrespect to people who who do that or yeah. want to or have to. But I don't want to be driven out. Excuse the pun because of you know the, these bloody prices going up. Indeed, yeah. Um, I was curious though so, because uh, when I get to visit New York, which has been a couple of years now because of pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I really enjoy like being able to take the subway and walk to almost every like location. Uh, I don't really have a, I don't have a car when I'm in New York anyways, but um, I've, I've never felt compelled to take a taxi or like call an Uber. Really. Um, I've just utilized the subway and and walking. um, It's part of the experience, isn't it? It it is. And I I don't know if I live there. I don't know if I would, that's how I would get around. I feel like it is. I I don't know for sure, obviously, but, um, well, it's, it's, just, it's, it's so not an easy. It's the same in London. It's so mm-hmm. simple that even if I lived in London, I would still get on the tube or get on the buses or whatever because it's it's so convenient. It's so you know, it's there. You can get wherever you want to. I can drive, but I could. But I don't enjoy sitting in. I don't know how many hours worth of traffic just to get to right. six miles down the road. And I imagine New York is the same. Yeah, um, that's how it looks. Watching yeah. like from walking, you're like, like, why would you get in the car? I've passed this car three times just walking around in circles. <laughs> yeah. um, but. Uh, but here, folks, we're not we're not going to say on this talk of gas. That's not what this podcast is. No, no, we do have we a have, gas though. We do, uh, and we do have to drive to the movies. Um, in fact, I drove pretty far to see this particular movie a week early. Mm. Um, and we're here to talk about the Batman, folks. This is a big deal. This is one of my most anticipated films of 2022. If you've been listening to anything that I do for the years, I have made it very clear that I'm a fan of the character. I yep. grew up watching the Adam West Batman. I distinctively remember seeing the Tim Burton Batman, like probably opening weekend. Uh, my aunt made me a birthday cake with the a Batman birthday cake, so it was all black icing. So everyone's teeth were stained black for days. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I was terrified by Tim Burton's follow up Batman Returns because that penguin is so gross, um, so I, creepy. Batman Forever. I had the Kiss uh, Kiss from a Rose like soundtrack because I love that movie, even though. In hindsight, it's got problems. But as a kid, it was like it was the right age. It was like '95. I was a big Jim Carrey fan. Loved that movie for that reason. Um, also, I like Robin, and Robin showed up in that one. And then you know, uh, we're not going to talk about the second Schumacher Batman because that doesn't exist. But <laughs> we jump ahead to the Christian Bale and uh, Nick, uh, Christopher Nolan. Um, Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan, Bat trilogy. I, I'm a huge fan of it. Even the problematic Dark Knight Rises, which to be honest I have not seen since the second viewing I had in the theater of Dark Knight Rises. I have not gone back to it. I have seen Dark Knight and Batman Begins many, many, many times. Um, while I don't think 
Ben Affleck got a fair opportunity to demonstrate his Batman. There are moments of that performance that I really do like throughout the movies that he is in. Uh, we have one more coming up uh, this year, in fact, with the Flash uh, Flashpoint Paradox. That he's supposed mm-hmm. to be there yeah. uh, in the final performance of his Batfleck. And then um, here we are. Robert Pattinson's playing the Batman in Matt Reeves' uh, film written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Uh, also, alongside Pattinson in this movie, we have Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, John Turturro, uh, Andy Serkis to, to throw in there. Um, a couple other people that are, are worthy of note, but those are the big ones. Uh, the synopsis from IMDb is when the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, never been described that way before, begins mm-hmm. murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. This movie right now, as of... Uh, there was recording had an 85% Rotten Tomato score, a 73 meta score, an 8.7 IMDb user score, which actually I was a little surprised at the height of that one, and 4.3 on Letterboxd out of 5. Um, unlike a lot of the other WB films, this one uh, is not on HBO Max the same day, which has been the trend for this year, but still after last year we were kind of spoiled. Same day theatrical, same day uh, HBO Max. They're not doing that for 2022, which I'm sure Matt Reeves is ecstatic about um, because, you know, Villeneuve (laughs) and Nolan were not so happy. Uh, But yeah, um, I got to see the Batman at a critic screening a week before it came out in public. And then I went for a second time uh, last night, um, which I'll actually talk about again later on a little uh, plug for what's going to be discussed later. But before I get into my thoughts on the Batman, I think it's worthy to look at this uh, list of the Batman movies rated on Rotten Tomato. Um, so number one, highest Rotten Tomato score of, for a Batman movie is The Dark Knight at 94%. Okay. Number two, any guesses? Number two, uh, I'm going to go... Is, is this a live action one? Sorry, yeah? It's not. Uh, oh, oh man! It, I don't know the I don't know the animated ones very well. Oh, even more importantly, I wouldn't have thought this one would have been listed as a Batman movie because it's got another word in it. Oh, but that's that's, oh. that's not a good hit. It's animated, but not in a traditional sense, and it's technically part of a trilogy. Okay. It's the Lego Batman movie. Oh, of course. You see, the, I liked the Lego Batman movie a lot. I did too. It's 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 for Batman fans. Yeah. It's so many references and uh, and yeah, it's it's heartfelt. It's great. I really really enjoyed the Lego Batman movie. I have not. I've been meaning to rewatch it. I have not, um, but I loved it when I saw it the first time. Um, surprisingly, though, number three, Dark Knight Rises at eighty seven percent. I'm sorry, Lego Batman ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Eighty seven percent. That is wild. Dark Knight Rises, 87%. I was shocked because that, that one seemed like it got critically panned from my memory, but apparently everyone was on board with it. And then later we're like, oh, you know what? There's a lot of issues with the third it's one. It's obviously um, revisionism because I remember that too. I, I, remember, I said last week, I listened to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast where they were you know, debating whether that figure, which is what they do, is that figure right or wrong? And, you know, some of, most of them said, you know, that they liked it. Maybe it's a little bit too high, but for me, the more I think about The Dark Knight Rises, it's it is a good film. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's that cliche which I use quite a lot. Is you know it's certainly not the worst Batman film. It's not the worst film ever, but it just didn't feel like it, in terms. I think it's because the first two of Nolan's films were were so good. 
Yeah. Uh, it really had to hit the highs. 87%, ma'am. I don't know. But the Batman comes in at four, number four at 86% as noted. Uh, yep. So right there. Uh, number five is a animated series movie, Batman Mask of the Phantasm at 85%. That one mm-hmm. I have seen. Uh, Batman Begins, 84. Number yeah, six. That, that makes sense. This surprises me that Batman Returns is number seven. I would have put higher than Batman. It is. And I'm shocked by that. Cause I don't like Batman returns that much. I know that's a <laughs> controversial thing, but it really does creep me out. 80% there. The 1966 Batman, the Adam West, Burt Ward is number yes. eight. Um, that's 79%. Then 1989's Batman, the Tim Burton original 72% at number nine. Hmm. Snyder's the Snyder cut of justice league at 71%. Mm. Uh, somehow, Somehow, that's number 10. Uh, number 11, dropping 30% is the Justice League, the original cut. <laughs> Before we get to Batman Forever, that's at 39%. Jeez, see, Batman um, Forever. Uh, was it Batman Forever? I think it might have been. I don't I don't hate that film. No. It's got some good stuff in it. There are issues, for sure. Um, and it's, it's way more cartoony than Batman Returns, especially, which I think is what hurt it partly, because it feels like a completely different universe and it's not supposed to be. Um, although the only, con- the only continuity in the original four Batmans is Alfred as the yeah. same actor for all four films. Um, and he's in the dark Knight as well was one of the guests in the, in the penthouse that the Joker uh, hmm. terrorizes, uh, which is a fun little Easter egg. And um, also the story about the Bat- Batman forever, the, the alternate goal, the Schumacher cut is very interesting as well. There's a totally different cut of that film out there almost. So to wrap this up, the killing joke is at 38%, the animated film, which is, I think better than that. I was a little surprised that was so low. Batman versus Superman is number 14 at 29%. (laughs) Um, And then the bottom of the barrel, the one that we don't talk about, Batman and Robin, uh, the final Joel Schumacher, where he really just went all in on power Rangers. um, It's, it's, it's got Bane uh, in the worst portrayal of Bane imaginable. Um, Mr. Freeze doing puns like it's it's real bad. Uh, yeah, there's so many puns in that movie. But all right, we're here to talk about the Batman. I went into this with a lot of anticipation. Um, yeah. The first viewing, I I was it was a little tainted. I had a rough at end of my work day, and then I had to drive uh, what should have only been an hour and twenty minutes. If there's no traffic, it took two hours, uh, and the traffic was quite painstaking and, and stressful. Um, had a decent meal right before the movie, but still I was just kind of in a funk. Even with that, I still liked the movie a lot. Um, But something I wasn't as, uh, I wanted the movie to end and me be like, yes, I love that. I'm so into this. And I didn't have that. And I wasn't sure if it was the movie or me. Um, So that was why I really wanted to see it a second time. I needed to know, like, was it just the mood that I was in? And so uh, I waited. I was going to go over the weekend. And I was like, you know what? It's opening weekend. Our local theater, we have 12 screens in our local theater. Mm-hmm. And seven of them are Batman. Yeah, that makes um, sense. We only have five movies in the theater right now. And every every theater is basically the Batman. So I was like, I'm, I'm a little worried that it's going to be crowded um, because this movie does have a lot of anticipation. So I waited till a Monday night. And I still had some people in the movies with me. Um, more than I expected for a Monday night, which I thought was a good sign that the movie must be doing pretty well, even locally. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause a lot of times our theater doesn't have a lot of business, but um, I did love it the second time. I think uh, the, the little issues that I had or the things I couldn't pinpoint, 
I didn't feel that that way. I, I do still have a couple of issues with the movie. I do. I think there are some flaws. Um, and, uh, but, but m- all of those things are, are in the background to me. I have such a, um, I'm so happy to see this take on the character where he is the detective. Um, I think this film might have some of my favorite elements from my Batman story. I think this is my favorite commissioner Gordon. I love Jeffrey Wright mm-hmm. in this role. I know that may be controversial. I haven't heard anyone like talk ill about it, but I love him. I I'm a Jeffrey Wright fan overall. Like yeah. sometimes he hams it up, but I, I like that. I, I think he's having fun. I'm always excited to see him in a movie and I loved him here. I thought his, the dynamic that we get to see with Gordon in the Batman is my favorite version of this in a movie. I feel like, um, we haven't got to see the, them actually work together in the way that we get to see them work together in this film. Uh, some of my favorite moments, there's a line in the film, uh, with, it's not a spoiler, but, uh, Batman says, not surprisingly, no guns. That is a Batman staple. So cannot be a spoiler unless you've never heard of Batman before. But, uh, Gordon goes, yeah, man, that's your thing. And I think it is the best statement ever <laughs> in that moment. I, I love that so much. Um, I love their dynamic and everything they do with this movie with the two of them. And that said, I also really love Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Mm-hmm. I think she's great. I think the chemistry between her and Pattinson is is there. I think it really hits the comic vibe uh, really well. From my experience with the comics, obviously I've not read every Batman comic ever written. Um, I have I've read many Batman comics. I've read a lot of the graphic novels of the more iconic things. So I have a pretty I feel confident a good sense of the the relationship between the two of them. And I thought it was on screen here really cool. Where I'm not a hundred percent ready to commit to this, but I'm go. pretty sure I'm I am there. I and I'm I will admit I have a I have a hard time with recency bias with stuff like this. <laughs> but I love Pattinson as Batman and he might be my favorite. Like Okay. I I know I love Bale as Batman. I never loved Bale's voice as Batman. I always thought it was too gravelly. It was too much. And it, it by the third movie, it's really too much, right? Like Batman, uh, sorry, Dark Knight Rises. It's like, I don't even know what you're saying anymore. It sounds like you have marbles in your mouth. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Pattinson's voice, I think is spot on. Like, it's not quite, uh, if I'm being real, the animated series, Batman is my favorite Batman. Um, wh- whose name is not going to come to me. It's Kevin something. Uh, apologies. Kevin Conroy. Is that right? Kevin Conroy is the name you're um, looking for. And love that voice. I think his voice is the iconic Batman voice for sure. Pattinson's the closest that I can think. And I'm not even saying he's doing an impression of that. or He's not trying to, but it's the closest where I'm like, I like this voice a lot. And it helps with the noir style, which is something, again, that I'm very partial to. Um, you, we do get some voiceover. That is always a debated thing. I like voiceover in a detective story. I've always found it compelling for that inner monologue that the detective's having. It's why I love the noir genre. And I think that's really strong here. Um, and I, I even got into what is my favorite performance. I love Colin Farrell as the penguin so freaking much. Like that character. I just, I love everything he's doing. I totally buy like this. If you saw Gotham that they are, they're doing what they try to do in Gotham, but it doesn't feel like fake or false. Like it feels genuine and, and really interesting to me where I thought the, the whole penguin stuff in the, the Gotham show. I, I only watched season one, but I was so checked out of that show because it just did to me everything wrong. Um, I love this version of the, of the character. And he is familiar to me, like from the games or from the comics, but I just loved it. And then 
I mean, God, Paul Dano is doing a very different Riddler than we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. But I love what he's doing. Um, I am a Paul Dano fan. I've liked almost every movie I've seen him in. Um, and him, especially in those movies, even if the movie wasn't my favorite, I have, I've always enjoyed his performances. I think he's tremendous. I love this villain. I think he's he's scary. He's interesting. There was moments. Uh, there were things that I I didn't pick up on a little, a few nuanced things uh, the first time around um, that I caught last night that made uh, some choices towards the end of the film even more impactful to me than what they did the first time. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, maybe I maybe I checked my phone or something, and I'm like, no, I, at the critic screening, I couldn't have my phone on. So it was just, I guess maybe I wasn't paying attention. Or I was looking somewhere else on the screen. Um, that I'd missed a few little details that really helped me uh, love the character even more. And so um, my issues just because I I said I had some, um, there's two line reads, uh, one from Pattinson, one from Kravitz that I think is real cringy. And I I don't know how Reeves or Craig could have written it in because so much (laughs) of the the dialogue is so good. I wonder if it's the same one I've got in my mind. Probably. Um, I, I can't imagine it's not because I've everyone I've talked to about the movie also thinks that line is just like, mm, why, why is that there? And then uh, I think the weakest, I don't even think it's a weak performance. I just, there's something that's disconnected with Andy Serkis's Alfred and the, maybe the lack of chemistry between him and Pattinson that there is this emotional crux moment without getting into any details that just does does not work. And I've seen it twice now. And I was really hoping the second time, maybe I would click with it more. I felt even more disconnected the second time. I I just think there's something off with the chemistry between him and Pattinson, which is such a crucial relationship for the characters that if the chemistry isn't there, it's going to be noticeable. That's the one thing I think the Nolan, like I love Alfred in the original four movies. I think he's very cool, but he's like old man charming. Michael yeah. Caine and Christian Bale have such an interesting dynamic in the the Bale tri- in the Nolan trilogy that I I I don't know if maybe that's where I'm like I'm coming from is like I don't buy this. I totally bought Michael Caine mm-hmm. being fatherly towards Bale in every movie. I think Caine is so good. Um, the little bit of Jeremy Irons we got in the Snyderverse, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. And so for me not to like love the Alfred performance is really weird. And I don't know, he doesn't get a lot of screen time, but I don't know if that would have been a better scenario had he got more screen time. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it may have been just cementing my, my take. So those are my, my big criticisms. They're minimal though. I love this movie. I love the look of this movie. I don't often say this. I love the score in this movie. I think the score is so fantastic. The music is just outstanding it makes every scene better um and uh, my god the look of this movie there are so many shots that i just want posters of like it's so gorgeous and and if you are a fan of david fincher i think uh matt reeves definitely owes him uh, (laughs) a little bit to the look of this movie i haven't even looked to see who the cinematographer is there it's a chance greg fraser the guy who did dune zero dark 30 rogue one okay okay yeah i mean there you go um that's interesting uh my this is a bit of a spoiler for what we're going to talk about. Taylor went with me to see Batman last night <laughs> and um, said she loves hallway fights and compared it to the Vader scene in Rogue One. Interesting. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah, she, yeah. She caught the notice of the the look of like the how the, the scene's lit and how like the gunfire lights the scene in, in uh, Rogue One. As well. Yeah, man, just so cool. Um, yeah, uh, I, I really 
love this movie. And again, I do want to point out, I have been critical of Batman movies in the past. So this yes. is not just a Batman fan who is being a Batman fan. Um, I, and I, I've seen several of Reeves films and so far I am a fan of his as well. Um, I, you know, man, I had such a good time with this. Um, I, I can't wait to own it. I, I might, I might see it a third time in the theater. Uh, I really, really loved, I did not realize he directed Cloverfield. Um, yeah, I knew he did the, the two apes movies. I did not know he did Cloverfield. That's wow. Random. Yeah, um, man. But yeah, I, I love the Batman. So now the question comes down to, uh, Matt, did you like Matt Reeves, the Batman? Riddle me this. Um, well, I, I, I also was lucky enough, like John, to see this a week early. In fact, we, we, we both saw it for the first time on the same date. Uh, obviously time zones different, but, uh, I saw it a couple of hours, about four or five hours before John. Um, I didn't, we didn't, obviously I'm a, I'm a friend and a, and a movie fan. I didn't spoil anything. Um, so I saw it on the same night as John. So thank you to Warner Brothers UK for that. Um, and I have seen it twice. I have seen it twice. I know John did because he told me yesterday. What I didn't tell him is I saw it twice as well because I had uh, I had a a day this weekend to myself, which I don't usually have. So uh, I wanted to also see, like I like I said to John, let's see if it holds up. Um, so I went to see this again just to make sure that the first time I saw it, I wasn't kind of blinded by bat fever because, to, like like John, I also very much enjoy. Batman as a character. If you want to, if I was to be asked for my favorite DC characters, my favorite Marvel characters, then I would say that Spider-Man would be my favorite Marvel character, I suppose. And Batman would be my uh, DC character of choice. And, and it's funny because obviously both of them, neither of them really have superpowers. Obviously Spider-Man more so because he got bit by the spider, but Batman's rich and very clever. So I'm, I'm coming in from a place that every time there's a new Batman film, you know, I get I get excited at the thought of it because I've pretty much liked all of the Batman live action films, with the exception of one and a half, maybe of them. Uh, and you know which ones they are, sadly. But uh, yeah, so I was excited for this. I still couldn't get over the fact that it was coming out when it was. I, I said it many times on this show. I still thought it was six months away. However, it isn't. It's out. We saw it early. And I really, 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 really like the Batman, JB. I really thought this film was superb. Uh, again, not without issues, certainly not perfect, but I thought it was great. And the first time I saw it, yeah, like with most films of this scale, scope uh, and expectation, you, you it kind of washes over you a little bit. You know, you're, you're so in, you're so you're looking for all of the twists, all the moments and you know, kind of things you want to mention when you come to talk about it or write about it. Uh, and then the second time you can just, you know, you can just absorb all of it and enjoy it for what it is. And um, the things which, you know, the things which I came out saying, right, I, I, I imagine people have issue with this is, I, I, I think, uh, which I, I may yet be wrong, but I thought people would have an issue potentially with the tone of the film because it isn't your standard Batman live action film that we've come to know and love. Yes, every iteration of Batman has an element of darkness, you know, that grittiness, which is inherent to the character of Batman. There's no getting away from it. Batman isn't exactly a, yeah, Adam West aside, Batman isn't particularly a happy-go-lucky character, or he's certainly evolved into that. Um, So I wondered if people would vibe with the tone, the noir. This film is a neo-noir film in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Um, If they'd vibe with the emo of 
the character at times. It's because I thought it might become a meme, and I have seen people take issue with that. But there's so much more to it than that. You know, people were like, "Why is he wearing eyeliner?" Firstly, who cares? But secondly, we all know that the Batman wears eyeliner or wears you know face Mm -hmm. paint underneath his mask, so you can't see the, the 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 skin around his eyes and whatnot. So, and and this particular one, you know, once he takes off the cowl. This is this is also a study on the psyche of Bruce Wayne. You know, he's go he is still dealing with, you know, he's still dealing with the fact that he's Bruce Wayne with everything he's been through, the well publicized murder of his parents, the legacy he's living up to, and you know the fact that he, you know, he has his own, he has his ways of dealing with things, and sometimes he can't always control how he deals with them. So he so he, seeing him in the night in the shadows, you know, as Bruce Wayne. You know, but still with that kind of minimal Batman makeup on, was chilling at times. And we don't really see Bruce Wayne an awful lot in this film, which is which no. is interesting. It's very much a Batman film, and the way they set that character up, certainly in the beginning, when you know some of the sequences, sorry, in the beginning were fantastic. The way that just just the, the fear of the Batman, they people are scared of the bat. They're scared of the shadows, and I'm like, this is this is great. So yeah, I thought this film was really. I liked. I I think. If again, if you want to be picky, you could trim things out of this film. There was, yeah, there's a couple of particular moments where I think, right, I don't even think that particular that particular beat or subplot needs to be in the film. I think you could take it out or retool it, recontextualize it into something maybe a little bit stronger. Spoiler review coming Monday. We'll go into that. Um, so maybe it's a little bit too long. I think the third act for me. I'd, it didn't have the drastic fall off like many people have said it did, but the first two thirds of the film were so good. They were so damn good that the third act, I think, f- fell a little bit short for me. It didn't feel out of place. Like they didn't suddenly just go full on wild CGI and go to space and all that, but it's, something felt missing, especially because there's an interaction between two characters, which I thought was so damn good in setting up this finale. And it just didn't quite pay off after that. Still very good. Don't get me wrong. Still good. Still lots of good moments in it. The performances across the board are excellent. Robert Pattinson of, you know, Robert Pattinson of the lighthouse of the Rover uh, fame, that guy, good time fame. Fantastic as Batman. Really good. His physicality is excellent. The way, the way he moves, the way he carries himself, the swagger, the act, the fighting style. Sorry. He's got it. The voice, like you say, he's got it. You know, that sullen approach he brings to the character. He has it. Uh, and his chemistry of Zoe Kravitz. I mean, just, just look at the publicity photos they've released. Those two are sizzling together. They are off yeah. the charts and she's very good in it as well. She is. She plays, you know, the way she plays the character is very interesting as well. She leans into different aspects of the Selena Kyle Catwoman character. And I thought that was interesting. Paul Dano, great. Very, very good. Uh, I think he was chilling. I think he really got across the, 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 the vibe he was going for. At times, did he almost overstep and become a bit too much? Yes. I will say that on second viewing, I did think, right. I love Paul Dano anyway. There are moments where I'm thinking, please pull back, please pull back, please pull back, because I think you're you're about to go to to chew the scenery too much. Uh, he doesn't quite overstep, but he gets very close to Jeffrey Wright. Fantastic, the way he interacts with uh, Robert Pattinson is great. Their kind of their their times tag teaming and other times duels are so good. Uh, John Turturro is great in this film as well. And I'm, I'm not seeing enough love for John Turturro. I think he's fantastic in this film. And uh, I, I'm like you. I remember saying this to you as well, that 
something about Andy Circus in this. It, uh, it's nothing Andy Circus is doing because we all know the dude yeah. chops. But I think this is just a a, 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 a sad case of a, a slight miscast. Something doesn't feel right, and that scene that you mentioned, that emotive scene, it fell flat for me. Again, it's not Andy Circus. It's some. It's it's just something doesn't feel right with the way he is tasked with that character. Because I think this film, for the most part, is actually written quite well. There are a few lines here mm-hmm. and there. I think it's yes. pretty well written, actually. I don't I mind agree. the narration, dude. I think the narration was fine. I love a good narration in in my neo noir films. I think the action is great. There are there's less action here than you might think there's going to be, but those action scenes or set pieces are are well well choreographed and they're very stylish to look at. The uh, Greg Crazy does a brilliant job with the cinematography. Uh, I think the setup for future Robert Pattinson films is intriguing. Like where they're going to go from here. I'm very excited to see more of this world, but like you said, dude, Giacchino's score for this film is fans is unreal. Good. You know, the, the Batman theme itself is so, so atmospheric. It's, it's creepy as well. It's, it's simplicity done well. Uh, and just, the way that he uses instrumentals, instrumental, the instruments to create these, to complement what's happening on screen, but also to elevate it. He matches the tone so well, matches it so well. And at times I was listening, like I do hear the score possibly more than you do in films. And I was in, you know, I was sold. I was yeah. so into this score, my friend. And yeah, I, I, I thought this film was, it was fantastic. I was looking forward to it. It delivered, uh, it's got me excited for the next film. I'm glad to see that it's doing well. Matt Reeves again shows that he's a wonderful director. Um, yeah, there's not much I can say. Technically, it's very good. Ed- editing is is good as well. I, I didn't quite feel I didn't feel that it was a three hour film, but I can acknowledge that. Yeah, maybe you could trim that and trim that, but nothing's necessary. Though I, there's not one moment where I thought that has to go. That's unnecessary. A few moments where I thought, in hindsight, yeah, I'm not as high on that. But overall, dude nothing to do with the bat fan in me or the bit or the guy who likes big blockbuster films because this is a blockbuster but it doesn't feel like one when you're watching it i think this film is yeah. very very good my friend and uh i i'm looking forward to like you say to owning it i know it's coming out on hbo i think in six weeks time um i can't wait for it to come out on blu-ray so i can watch it again and again uh, but dude i can't wait to see where matt reeves takes this character and who they could bring in going forward but this uh, film there's really so many good. ideas yeah, so much good. Um, the music, the look, it's, it just crushes it. I, we didn't really comment on the costume, but I do want to say I mm-hmm. love the look of this costume. I, it, it's so tactile, and even like the, the, the gadgets and stuff that is, are always equated with Batman, I think are grounded in a really cool, interesting way um, that just, I think, lends itself to the, the whole aesthetic of this film. I really like oh, that. They've really album. gone for that grounded feel, even more so than the Nolan. In my review, I think I put that on first review – this film felt a little bit, it had elements of the Burton films, had elements of the Nolan films, but not in a way where it felt like it was riffing on them. It's, this is just a character of Batman. It's, it's there are going to be some ties, but it yeah. has, it doesn't have, it doesn't have like the wackiness of those films. Like certainly the Burton films and even the Nolan films have their eccentricities to it. This film doesn't. This film is a, if you, if you're a fan of detective Batman from the comics, you are going to really dig this. Uh, if you're a fan of, you're a fan of the darker, broodier, violent at times, brutal Batman, and not just Batman, but like the, the the Riddler's not messing about in this film. It's brutal. 
you're gonna you're gonna yeah. enjoy this. It's R, it's R rated as a 15 in the UK for a reason. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's a grounded film, and there's no doesn't there's not very many punches pulled. It's Fincher, uh, the French Connection. I got a lot of it from this, and can't wait to watch it for a third time, dude. Agreed. That is our review of the Batman. Matt and I both very much liked it. Again, we're we're admitting that there are some flaws, but those flaws are so minimal that the experience was just too good. Um, check back Monday for our spoiler, uh, free review. Of course, if you are subscribed, you're going to get that right in the same feed as this, but we have a, I'm sorry, not spoiler free spoiler for free review where we will give you all the spoilers at no additional cost. Um, consider it a bonus episode. Uh, But for now we're going to go into our next segment, which is chopped headlines. Uh, Matt, what, uh, pop culture news caught your attention this week? Um, mine is referencing a film that Jeffrey Wright also starred in, uh, and the headline is Billie Eilish was making James Bond songs years before the No Time to Die theme. So, pretty lighthearted um, article this week from Screen Rant. TC Phillips uh, wrote this, and it's very self-explanatory. The headlines pretty much just said it all. Um, she said Billie Eilish said that her and her brother would. They were writing. They wanted to write a Bond song for years, and when they were younger, they would pretend and they'd they'd come up with chords that felt like Bond. And I just found that very interesting because obviously she's she she, she recorded and released "No Time to Die," which was the title song for "No Time to Die." She won a Grammy. It's the number one single in the UK. She was the first artist born this century to top the UK charts. Um, And Daniel Craig himself, we remember he first heard the song and he wasn't particularly taken by it, but then heard it again and again in the studio and was like, yeah, this is, this is amazing. He said, so it's just an interesting story. Nothing really much to it, but of course I find it, I always find it nice and cool to sort of see the backstories of these huge global megastars when they were just, you know, recording or strumming along in the bedroom with a guitar or a keyboard, you know, what the, the superstar before they became that. And it's, you know, Billy Eilish dreamt, dreamt of, being a uh, writing a bond theme and not only she did it she smashed it out of the park no time to die especially when you watch it in the film is fabulous but um anything to say on that one my friend other than you know that's pretty cool uh, that's honestly uh, no i don't have anything to really add um i haven't listened to the song a lot to have like a strong opinion of it i i thought it was good um it hasn't been one in like on a rotation for me and not not in a critical way i don't think i've ever really gotten into a bond song that way mm-hmm. um but I, I'm kind of wanting to relist too because a lot of people have said it's just great. It is nominated for Oscar. Uh, yes, it is. No? Yep. Okay. Um, so I, I guess we'll maybe get a live version of it. So um, hopefully, it, it, traditionally it, it, that's how the Oscars do it. But we'll see because yeah, who knows what the Oscars difficult. are going to look like oh, this year. Oh. Yeah, we are, yeah. Who knows where they're going to go this year? Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. Mine is not lighthearted, but it's also not news per se but uh unless you're living under a rock you are aware that russia has invaded ukraine um and a lot of civilians have been posting things to social media and things of that nature um this particular video if you click on the link in our show notes um it's a ukrainian girl singing let it go which that part of the headline caught me because of my podcast buddy here your daughter (laughs) loves frozen she Um, certainly does and i know you've had to watch it uh insane amount of times um but the video is her singing it in a. I, I'm going to be ignorant for a second. Do, does the Ukraine people speak Ukrainian? Uh, Ukrainian, yeah, Ukrainian. Okay, it's a full, yeah, yeah. 
I, I, you, can ne- you never know with languages, it's, right? Sometimes it, it is Ukrainian, Russian, Belarusian. Yeah, but she's singing um, "Let It Go" in, in uh, that language, and she's in a um, shelter, uh, very low ceilings, and there's a lot of people. And when it's when the video starts, there's a lot of noise, and she starts singing, and everyone in the room quiets, and it's very, very powerful. Um, this Huffington Post article, though, uh, also. Adina Menzel, who plays um, the Elsa? Snow Queen. Like Elsa, I forgot her name, dude. I was like, I, I don't know. remember her I name anymore. I'm here for you, man. Uh, I got you frozen back. Uh, she uh, she sings the song in the movie and um, is the voice of the character Elsa. Uh, she tweeted uh, the video and said, "We see you. We really, really see you." And uh, even just saying that out loud, the the tears that this thing brought me was a little little more than I was expecting. Um, the the this is it's so crazy the world we're currently finding ourselves to be in um in so many different ways and it's it's such a sweet and beautiful thing but it's also horrifying of the context um and it's one of those things where you you watch it and in the moment you're just like oh how sweet and then when you really think about why it's happening it, it is a terrifying realization um but if you haven't seen it, I do recommend you check out the video. Matt, uh, did you happen to watch this? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, I did. Um, it, you, but you've hit the nail on the head there, my friend. What a you watch it, and it's very hard not to get choked up by the sincerity and just kind of innocence of of yeah. the moment, you know. You, and then you put it into context and realize that you know what is really happening. This is a young a young kid singing "Let It Go," you know, in in a bomb shelter because her country is being obliterated in a legal invasion by a nutcase. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's and, and for Dina Menzel to, to see that uh, and repost in amongst the chaos of, of war and, and everything else. I'm pretty sure that at this, that also probably made that little girl's, uh, that probably shone a light into her little life, seeing that Elsa yeah. herself had seen it and was, was there supporting along and it's it's a horrible way it kind of story to have to read you know it's, it's it's so nice but at the same time it's what's going on you know what what's happening for this to become a story it's 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 yeah. unreal however you know to see how much how far this video has gone and how many people it's affected and how many people it is touched and more and again the, the awareness it's raising as well not that this particular event necessarily needs the awareness because i think everybody like you say knows but it never hurts for more people to see that like, this is the human cost of what is happening and it's a it's a lovely video it's a it's a touching video it's just a shame that it has to be under those circumstances dude yeah exactly um so th- those are our chops headlines folks uh let's move into our next segment which is media consumption this is movies tv video games podcast music whatever uh, whatever we're using to pass the time between records. Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we uh, spoke? Since the last time we speaked, I listened to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast where they were discussing both Dune films uh, and mm. whether or not those scores are right. And I, I listened to parts of it and I thought, oh no, because I, I've seen the Lynch film, but I can't entirely remember what happens. And of course, they condense the novels into the film. And Denis Villeneuve's film doesn't. So I thought, oh no, if I keep listening, it's going to potentially alert me to what happens in the second film. Mm. 
if I think long and hard enough, I'll probably remember. But at the minute, I can't quite remember. So I tuned out of that about halfway. Uh, other than that, I watched the Batman again, as I mentioned. So that was my viewing over the weekend. But I also sat down and uh, started watching some films for the next episode of Astrology, Movie Astrology, sorry, our sister podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's great. We, we take a year in film and we cover every facet of it. We just dropped an episode covering 1963, which is why we watched quite a few of the oldies. Some of them were goldies, some of them weren't. Uh, we're doing 1991 for our next episode, which will be out uh, sometime uh, over the next few weeks and whatever. So I watched Hot Shots and I watched Cape Fear, the Scorsese Cape Fear, which I know you watched fairly recently when you ran through yeah. his filmography. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll give, obviously all those thoughts will be on that episode, but I caught those two. I'd seen... Uh, I've seen both. I've seen Hot Shots many, many moons ago. My brother used to watch it and Hot Shots part deux quite a lot. And Cape Fear I'd seen, man, around about the time I was in film study, so about 20, 22 years ago. So uh, I'd seen them, but I'd forgotten a lot about Cape Fear. So looking forward to talking about that one in more depth. Yeah. Uh, but I also watched Mass as well. And I've been wanting to watch this for a while. It's on Sky over here uh, just, to, just to watch. It's on to stream. Uh, and I think, I think you mentioned it to me again the other day about watching math i was like yeah i I need to watch so i sat down and i watched it i i I knew the premise of it kind of i knew for you know what was you know what was going to be what the the stage was set but what a man what a powerful film this is what a what a moving film mass is as well four fantastic performances as well and for the most part it is set in one room and it's done so well it's framed and staged so well no music whatsoever as well they're not relying on the score to manipulate your emotions so you don't need that when you've got such good um, uh, performances but the subject man and of course you you'll be able to attest to this more but the subject is a powerful heavy sadly uh sadly uh genuine subject which is uh, still a fear for many uh, in 2022 still and i just thought it was a, i thought it, I, I, it was a very good film but it's not like an enjoyable watch of you know it's not a fun film in any yeah, means yeah. but films aren't always meant to be fun you're not always as long as you're feeling something which is a classic quote and you will feel something watching mass it won't be for everyone. It won't be because it does have that stage show feel that where it's, you know, you can imagine this being on a stage in Broadway in the West End and watching this play out. It worked for me. It was, but it was a, it was a powerful film. It's not one I'm going to rush to rewatch anytime soon, but simply because I was, I was in for the hour 45 minutes. I was in, I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of it. I was getting emotional. I was getting frustrated. I was getting angry at point as well from what I was mm-hmm. seeing, but it, it, I, I, in those moments I was feeling something and uh, I came out and it was an experience which I would uh, recommend for anyone to check it out if you can do watch it it's a, it's a powerful film um, and I'm glad that I did my friend so it's uh, four films you, this week did you happen to look at who the director was of and writer of Mass uh, no because I was just taken by the simplicity like the mm-hmm. film is so it's the simplicity of it even the title and credit font is literally Times New Roman black screen yeah. white text it's very simple there's no flashiness so I, I so, wasn't I didn't see who it was it's the directorial debut of mm-hmm. Fran Kranz um, mm-hmm. most famous for playing the stoner in Cabin in the Woods no way the guy who looks yeah. like the Kurt Cobain ripoff yeah yeah Kurt Cobain meets Shaggy right like yeah. that's uh <laughs> yeah damn i never no i i i hadn't even noticed who the director was i think i was in this yeah. like shock and awe at the end of it but 
uh, no, I would never. Why would I? But I would never have pieced that together. And this movie, right? Like, of like you're thinking, and again, that's you can't judge an, a performance in a movie as the the actual person. Of course, but that's when that's the only thing you know them from, really. And then you're like, wait, that's this is the movie that he came it up doesn't with. Doesn't feel like, like it's a you know the magnet should be the polar opposites, but fantastic. And that's a director yeah. debut. What a job, my friend! What a job. Yes, because even though it is a one room film, I actually think it's really well directed. I think the the like the camera placement and stuff and like how he stages the scenes it's really powerful it's edited um, really well we were the same with one night in miami you can you can have uh, something yes. in in one room but you but it but now it comes down to not just the writing and the performances but the staging how are you framing this the block how you know how are you presenting this film how are you editing it and like just like in one night in miami they did it, they did it so well they took what could have been uh, a a bit of a kind of a bit of a beat down and a slog if they just had it been a bit more static into something different you know because of what you've just said they, the way they utilize camera angles and positioning uh, and and positioning the major players on screen as well they weren't just sitting at a table the whole time it was it was a little bit of movement at the right times it was it was an experience and you know when you realize who directed in that as well it's it's a fantastic achievement. I, yeah, I, it just, didn't get any love at the Oscars either. I don't think it didn't, and that's so aggravating to me because, like, and out, oh, like, uh, Jason Isaacs, like, are you kidding? Like, they all deserve to be nominated. Come on. Um, it's it's a travesty uh, that this film isn't like it. It did for uh, the Central Florida. Uh, I'm sorry, the Critics Association of Central Florida gave uh, massive Good. love, but. Um, yeah, just man, four of the best performances in one movie. Like it's insane how good the performances <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah, that that was me though this week, my friend. So uh, uh, a couple of um, a, a kind of a, a mixed bag of genres there, but you've always got a very mixed bag, my friend. So what have you been checking out? So uh, I finished uh, Blank Check Podcast has finished the Jane Campion series with the Power of the Dog episode dropped this week. Oh, nice. uh, they're going to be covering Sam Raimi next, uh, which is exciting because there's some Sam Sam Raimi films I have not watched uh, yeah. and. Um, it will be nice to check some of those off. Uh, some of those I'm not sure if I'm going to love or not, but there's a few that I really want to check out. Um, and I want to revisit uh, the de- the horror Spider-Man film. 3. Yes, I want to revisit Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I do not. Um, I may revisit the Spider-Man trilogy, though, because I have not watched 2 in a long time, and so many people love 2. Um, and I, I didn't have that feeling even back then. So like, I'm curious to see if maybe my sensibilities have changed. Nobody's um, I didn't dislike it, but I, I never thought of it as my favorite. Um, but uh, I am looking forward to kind of jumping into that. It, it does feel a little overwhelming because there's a lot of movies that I, like 1991, as you mentioned, we're going to be covering. So there's a lot of movies on that list that I want to check out. There's only one in the top 10 I haven't seen, but there's a few on the uh, notable mentions that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. Um, so I want to make an effort to get through those before we. We've record. got time, my friend. Uh, we have time. Well, but I like I really like doing the show. But like the Thelma and Louise is a film that I've been meaning to watch yeah. for a long time, and so I'm excited to like make my. This is now finally. I have no excuse. I have to watch this movie before we record. Um, Cannot let the listeners down, John. Speaking of uh, one of the movies that I watched was Lilies in the Field for our 1963 episode of Astrology mm-hmm. out now. Um, and man, I'm so glad I watched that movie. Sidney Poitier, uh, well-deserved Oscar win for that, especially because yeah. it is a more comedic performance compared to some of his more dramatic performances. His only Oscar performance, as we mentioned on the show, it's yes. his only Oscar win, best actor at least, yeah. And then he does get a, a career award later. Yeah, um, a lifetime achievement award, yeah. Life, there it is, that's the word. Um, but so everything else I watched is something new. Um, I watched The Fallout, which is an HBO Max movie that came out 
technically is listed as a 2021 film, but I think it was uh, released on HBO Max in 2022. Um, it's a Jenna Ortega film. Um, that was actually the reason I went to it uh, because I was like, well, I might as well complete her. Uh, f- she's got four movies that coming out in quarter one in some <laughs> capacity. Um, and I've seen three of them now and her new, the X is the A24 film coming out. So you know, I haven't seen a trailer for, I've heard it looks not great, but um, I'm going to try to see it if it's playing somewhere. Uh, the fallout, I didn't know what the fallout was about mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I quickly put together, I'm like, Oh, this is, I had a similar experience with mass where I, I went into mass thinking, I was like, is this is a church movie. Mass <laughs> is not a church movie. It's not that kind of mass. Didn't put it together figured it out and the fallout was a similar thing i was like and like the sub when i i think that's why i actually said to you you should watch masses because i watched the fallout i'm like you should check out mass sir uh, uh they are they are thematically connected um but i like the fallout i don't think it's perfect but there was a lot in it that i enjoyed uh then um on hulu here in the states fresh dropped is a uh, sundance film um it has sebastian stan in it uh i really enjoyed this movie it's wild um, I would recommend if you are able to watch fresh that you do listener and or Matt, um, but don't look anything <laughs> up if you can avoid it. Yes. Uh, right now, the letterbox poster is a bit of a spoiler and I really wish they would change it back to the other poster. That was less clear what it was about. Um, not that it's a hundred percent clear, but it still is like, that's more information than the movie gives you for 30 something minutes. So like, I don't think that should be the poster. You know, the movie clearly wants you to not know what, it, what you're getting into for at least 30 minutes. Like there is a definitive moment where it's like, mic drop. This is what the movie's going to be now. Yes. And the poster kind of like gives away a bit of that moment. Oh. And that's a shame. So avoid the posters, avoid reading anything. Just check it out. It's worth watching. Um, I also feel though at the 30 minute, it's like 33 minutes when that mic drop moment happens, it is an opportunity for you, the viewer to be like, Nope, not going to finish this. And <laughs> I think that's okay. If you feel like it, um, I would say push past that feeling though. I think it's worth it. Um, cause I was apprehensive for a second. I was like, mm, I'm going to see how this goes. And I, oh, man, I feel interested in this. Now. It comes out on March the 18th, by the way, in the UK. So ah, 10 days, 10 good. days. Um, and then I caught, uh, I love the film, uh, Columbus with Haley Lou Richardson yeah. and John Cho Dude. directed by Koganata. Um, and this is his follow-up. He hasn't done a movie for five, five years. I want to oh, say that 2017 is Columbus. Yep. Um, now Koganata was a, uh, YouTube essayist for a while, or maybe Vimeo essayist where he was like talking about film, breaking films down. He's got some great video essays where he really like breaks down cinema and he definitely has a really strong understanding of the art form. And he shows it in both of his movies. He's super patient with his cinematography and his editing. Uh, we linger at times. Um, his new film is called after Yang, it is on Showtime, something I had by coincidence just added to my Hulu because it was like they had a special. It was like five bucks for six months, uh, mm-hmm. five bucks per month for six months instead of like the normal 10 bucks. And my wife has wanted to watch the new Dexter series um, because we liked the old show up until like the final season kind of thing. But she was excited to check it out. So I was like, well, I'll sign up for it. And so far it's paid off because I got to see uh, Poop House last week. And then <laughs> after Yang dropped on uh, and I really wanted to see it. So I caught that. I really like it. I don't think it's as good as Columbus. I think Columbus is sensational, but it's not in any way trying to be the same thing. It is actually a sci-fi film. So I was a little shocked by that. Okay. Uh, has C- Colin Farrell, who I love. I think I've expressed that uh, tremendously at this point. And he's, I really love him in this. Um, it's an interesting idea. It is, uh, again, uh, not like it's sci-fi, but like 
Star Trek sci-fi, like old Star Trek, like philosophical, mm-hmm. uh, pondering the existence of humanity kind of thing. Okay. Um, so uh, really interesting. I think it has this amazing opening sequence that I don't think the movie ever really it never needs to go back to it because the, the existence of it at the beginning is established. I don't actually know why it's great. I love the opening sequence and then it, it never comes back to the level of energy of the opening sequence. And I'm okay with that, but I've heard some other people kind of point out like that was, they wish that was the movie and it's not. Um, but, uh, and then lastly on HBO max, I finally caught the eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh yeah. Uh, We're actually covering that for movie club this week. Um, because our theme for uh, March is now streaming, so we're picking stuff that is available to watch on streaming services. Um, and Corey picked this one. I was happy to check this off the list because Chastain won the SAG Award for it and is nominated yeah. for an Oscar. Um, I didn't know what the movie was going to be. I also didn't realize Michael Showalter directed it because it it mm-hmm. he's normally associated with comedy, and this is listed as a drama. There is definitely some humor in this, but it's it's definitely. A more traditional biopic in some ways. Um, I knew very little about her and I was surprised by some of the things and I found the story compelling. I think there's some sloppy stuff going on, but I found the overall story so interesting that I was, I I liked the movie. So I I know it's kind of been a mixed review thing. I enjoyed it. So if you get a chance to check it out, I say, watch it. And how about uh, Chastain's performance? Because that's, that's the thing people are going to want to know most about. So the character that she's playing, in my understanding, is she's doing a pretty accurate portrayal of like the voice. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little bit annoying, for sure. Okay. Um, I don't think that's a criticism to the the performance because I think it's supposed to be a little bit annoying. I think that's like the character is maybe looked down upon by a lot of the people that uh, she's around, and I think that's interesting um, to the story in a lot of ways, and. Uh, I think the performance is good though. It is a little bit, again, it's hard to say it's not annoying because it's, I think it's going for that. But uh, overall, I thought it was a strong performance. Not my favorite Andrew Garfield performance. Not that he does anything wrong. It's just like, I've seen him do amazing things this year and Mm. this is fine, you know, but I know how amazing he can be. Again, he's good in it. Just the, the prosthetics. Oh boy. Some of that looks pretty bad. Well, all of that, I watched the release of the field, but all of those films I'm excited to check out. The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I believe, is now available to to watch uh, in the UK anyway. Uh, Fresh comes out in 10 days. The Fallout, I'm not sure when that comes out. but And after Yang, I'm not sure either. But I was a big, big fan of Columbus, like yourself do. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the follow-up. Um, and Haley Lou Richardson is also in this, uh, but small, much smaller part in this movie than in Ooh, Maybe uh, she'll Columbus. be the kind of go-to actress that kind of pops up in all of his films. But, uh, the Fallout, Jenna Ortega, I've been um, pretty impressed by Jenna Ortega for the most part. So I'm excited to, to watch the fallout for that reason so uh yeah i will be back at some point in the next week or four or five and hopefully be able to talk about what i thought about these films dude so that leads us to the end of the show but before we check out before we say goodbye we need to check in to see how we are staying bloody awesome so that we can maintain the same level of episode week after week matt i ask you how are you staying bloody awesome this week well my friend i have been staying bloody awesome with some daddy daughter time um which is the most bloody awesome way i could stay awesome anyway speak for myself certainly but um i as, as you know i've been under the weather uh but so's a little one as well 
And that kind of cumulative domino effect of one person gets it and then the isolation period, somebody else gets it at the isolation period. I get COVID isolation period on top of that. I didn't get to see my kid for four weeks, which is not something which I ever want to have to do again. You know, unless it's for reasons of, oh my God, she's grown up to be the most, to be, to be happy and has moved out and whatever. Okay, fair. I guess, I guess I'll allow her to be successful and happy, I suppose, when she's older. But for now, man, I can't, I don't want to go four weeks, man. I don't want to go four hours. But, um, so that was lovely. I got to, um, finally got to see my little one again. Had a nice day out. Uh, I went, took her to one of her friend's birthday parties as well, which is always a chore. I, I mean, always good fun. Um, but no, it's just nice to, you know, get out, go and have some lunch, hang out, go to the toy shops, have some fun, have some ice cream. Um, and then, but, uh, and after so long as well, and it wasn't just, um, four weeks, it was the enforced four weeks. You know, it was having, it was not literally, you know, sticking by the rules and for the, and for the greater good, like, having to stay in, in here or isolate or quarantine. It was that we've made it worse. It wasn't like it was a case of, well, do you know what? I actually could if I wanted to. It's no, you can't. You have to stay in. Yeah, same with work. You couldn't go to work or whatever. So uh, that's how I stayed bloody awesome, my friend, by by getting by having some daddy daughter time with with my best my best buddy out there. So um, that was a massive boost for the weekend, my friend. So uh, what about you? I imagine you've got something uh, wildly different. Well, I, I hadn't planned on ripping you <laughs> off, but you ripped me off last week, and yeah, by coincidence. Um, I, I, my plan for, uh, Monday, um, was to, uh, go, I, I, whenever I get off work, I always go to the gym and I wanted to see the Batman and, uh, my theater, as I mentioned, I, I don't remember if it was off air or on air, but we have it in seven screens right now. And so basically every half hour, there's a starting time, but it's a three hour movie. So I was like, okay, how can I fit this in where it's not going to be too much? And so my plan was to hit the gym, um, and then go right to the movie. Like I would change at the gym back into like normal clothes and go to the movie immediately, maybe grab something quick to eat beforehand. Um, and then, uh, the reason I was going to do that, my wife went to a concert at, um, the, we have a festival going on in a nearby city and there's a bunch of like country artists. So her and her friend were going to a concert and my daughter, uh, her boyfriend's birthday was Monday. So I was going to be alone and come to find out that, um, my daughter's boyfriend was going to uh, have dinner with his family. So she was going to be alone. And I was like, Oh, do you, I find this out like right when I'm getting to the gym, like, do you want to go to the movie with me? And we haven't gone to a movie together in a couple of years now, I think um, uh, partly because of the pandemic and then she's getting older. So like your daughter was uh, taken because of COVID. My daughter is too grown now for, to hang out with dad uh, more often than not. And so it was exciting. Um, that uh, we got to go to a movie. It was obviously a movie that's really important to me because I am a Batman fanatic. And, um, and uh, she, she also really loved the movie. Um, I think it might be her favorite Batman film. And um, I, I love like her talking about movies. Cause again, it's been for a, a good chunk of the beginning of Burke review. She was my go-to movie buddy. And it had been phased out slowly over the last couple of years between mm-hmm. again, COVID, but also just her getting older and having her own interests. Um, so, uh, being able to, um, go to the movie with her last night was, was a pleasant surprise that I hadn't anticipated. Uh, then we got food on the way home, uh, just cruddy Wendy's and it was fine. Um, dude, food's food sometimes, man. It's what, it's, 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 it's what you take into it. You know, Wendy's with yeah. a kid, dude, come on, come on. That's, exactly. you know, it, it, that's, that's what doesn't matter where it is. That's exactly how I feel. But that is how I'm saying bloody awesome, sir. So we had, uh, you know, very different experiences as my daughter is much older than your daughter. Yeah, she is. Um, but that said, 
that's our episode, folks. Whoop. Um, and I'm excited because we're coming back next week with uh, another movie that I was high on my list um, mm-hmm. because I love Pixar. And uh, the newest Pixar film is getting shafted by Disney. Sorry, Disney, but I can't help. I don't understand what you're doing. Um, Turning Red is going to be dropping only on Disney Plus and very select theaters. I think it's getting a super small theatrical yeah. run. Um, Pixar is, this is the third Pixar film in a row that isn't getting a theatrical release. Uh, Luca, Soul, and this have been straight to Disney Plus, And I'm just like, do y'all not understand your Pixar brand? We love Pixar brand. Like we all go to Pixar movies. Every Pixar movie I've ever gone to has been packed. Um, with maybe the exception of, uh, I never, I, the only one I didn't see in theaters, good dinosaur, basically, you know? Um, and some of the sequels have been not so good, but all of the originals have been pretty great. And I'm generally a fan. So, um, turning red, I actually have already seen my review is already up at burkreviews.com, but we will be talking about it next week. Um, so make sure you check out, uh, Disney. It's actually, I'm sorry. It drops on the 11th on Disney plus. Um, everywhere. So if you have Disney Plus, uh, you, you're going to be able to watch Pixar's Turning Red. Um, fun fact, I don't know if you know this or not, Matt, but it is the first solo female-directed film from a Pixar movie or apparently Disney Animation Studio. Um, well, I did not know that until you told me the other day. And I mean, look, D- D- Disney are making some strange choices across the board. <laughs> and recently, I've more and more become disillusioned by their ideas. And yeah, the fact that we have to, that we're able to say that is is a celebration. But again, it's like, after all this time, we can now after say all this. this time. But after all this, but I'm I'm I am looking forward to this, dude. I wasn't as sold on Luca. I think that was that great. But look, it's Pixar, man. You know, some of the best films to come out of that of of, of the Disney umbrella in the last decade or so have been Pixar films. So I agree with you that they are being slightly shafted. But you look as long as I, I can see it, so that's something. And I'm looking forward Fair. to it, dude. Yeah, I mean, I get I would see it either way. But yes, I I'm I'm grateful that we get to see it. I just think like. Like, are you not instilling faith in your um, your brand here? Yeah. Like, let let, brand let them filmmakers, be yeah. where they go. I mean, because everything else, it, if all of their movies were going to Disney Plus, I wouldn't have that opinion. But there aren't, so it's like, mm, what are you so doing? Like, Why is this there, that seem to happen to seem to always go on to Disney Plus at the minute? And I previously, I feel like there was complaints from the Pixar filmmakers about Soul not getting a theatrical run. So yeah, um, and now like realistic studios aren't acting like COVID's a thing right now. You know what I'm saying? Like if that were still a thing, fine, but that's not what we're seeing. So I don't know. Um, again, I'm grateful, but it just seems like an odd choice to dump the Pixar film there. But, uh, until next week, uh, if you'd like to follow us, you can reach out on social media on Instagram. We are bloody awesome movie pod and Twitter. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And the old Facebook, you can just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And individually, I'm at BurkeReviews.com. That's where I post reviews and the episodes for this show. And on all the social media platforms, simply look at Burke Reviews. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, thinking about John Burke most of the time. That aside, you could find me at WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk and just search What I Watch Tonight on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as well. And we meant to say this at the top of the show, but maybe next week. Uh, if you get a minute to take the time to rate and review our show, especially if you're listening, if you like what we're doing, it legitimately helps. And there are some things that we can't even be eligible for unless we have a certain number of reviews. And that's all we're asking for is we don't want you to lie. We just want you to, to share. If you're listening, you got to like us a little bit because you came come, back. Come uh, yeah. So 
yeah, just just come on, take a, take a minute, whatever podcast catcher, ideally Apple or Spotify, to be honest, because those are the ones that seem to matter. All the other things nobody cares about. But if you can take a minute, <laughs> Spotify or Apple, say, hey, this podcast is entertaining, it's good, we like it. Here's, you know, Matt's got a great accent, whatever it Thank is. Um, we would love to have those that feedback. And honestly, to, I'm being real. I I wouldn't even mind some negative feedback. I might I might obsess over it and maybe you cry on the podcast. But you know. Um, <laughs> That's what we do with negative things in our world. We we dwell on it and we let it eat us up inside. So uh, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 blah.